What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Hollywood Tales with my guest, Joe Prano. What's up, man? How's it going, buddy? Thank you for having me. Dude, we hung out uh, in our your new neighborhood. Yep. I don't yep. want to say where we hung out. Yeah, thank you. I have, uh, <laughs> I, have, uh, I have a rule on my podcast ever since. I was in Venice for a really, really long time, yeah. and I have... Uh, I have I, I threw out a hot take a time or two on my sports podcast and you'd ima- you would be amazed at how triggered some people get. This guy, when I used to talk about where I lived, goes, Not only did I find your address, but I know that with my rifle from the top of the Irwin Hotel, I could kill you coming what out your back door. Fuck? I was like, uh, okay, I'm never fucking telling anybody Why where I live. So angry I, I did like I, I went out it's crazy, sports podcast. I, I go off topic a lot, but like we started, I think we were talking about the Kaepernick thing or whatever, and I started shitting on, you know, the military or MAGA folks or whatever, and the, he just, he was just like, I think he was a vet, and he was like... Was it a, is it a live podcast? Uh, we go live on live? we go live on YouTube, yeah, but like, I got a DM, like, on my Twitter, like, yeah. a week later, and he was like, oh, you think it's fucking cool to talk about, you know, the military? Like, I'm a trained sniper, and I know Ooh. I could... I could Oof. watch you walk out your door, and I could hit you from the top. And I was like, That's "All right." That's worse than Will Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, "From now on, now I we always used to like go oh, like live from Venice, California." Now when we do the podcast, my buddy, uh, my co-host, moved back to Cincinnati during the pandemic. Now he just says, "From Southern California, Joe Prano." We don't even give it like That's wild. the locale. Yeah, he said I because I live like Kitty Corner, Caddy Corner, whatever you call it, from the Irwin. Yeah, I'm I'm not gonna tell you where. Yeah, yeah. I used to I, live. I, see the I used to live right, right by Sidewalk Cafe. Yeah, uh, you know where that yeah, tattoo shop is. Yeah, That's and wild. and he was like, I know. He like he told me everything. He was like, and I think he was in the Midwest or something. He's like, I set up on the Irwin. I got a shot right down Speedway. Dude, All you gotta do is come out your back. Yeah, I was just like, this guy's not fucking. No, you report people yeah. like that. That's like, I mean, that's what everybody said. Like, oh fuck, give give that to the FBI. I was like, this dude's just I trying have. to scare me. I would have reported that fucking guy. Cause that this that means that that guy can fucking hit anybody from anywhere. Yeah, he probably doesn't have. He probably doesn't have a fucking sniper rifle. He probably wasn't in the military. His dad was probably a fucking GI Joe wannabe. I don't know. I would have fucking especially what's like with you know what's going on right now in America with gun control. It's crazy. Mass shootings. It's fucking wild. Anyway, well, I'm st- so yeah, so we alive. hung out. We hung out in, in my new neighborhood, which is somewhere in the Southland. Nope, not even there. <laughs> I, I'm gonna say East Coast. Yeah. Some of my best friends live in this neighborhood. I won't tell you where. It's a very closed off, tight knit neighborhood. And my best friend's wife was like, "Hey, uh, there's a comic that you know that just moved into the neighborhood." His name is Joe. He's tall. He has a mustache. He looks like a cop. And I was like, Joe Bartnick? Yeah, yeah. There's two <laughs> of goes, us. He goes, no. His That's last not name was it. A Bartnick. It was starting with a P. It was Italian. And I said, Joe Prano? And she goes, yeah, that's him. He was really nice with the kids. And he came over. And he's like the new neighbor. And I was like, I was like, oh, I love that guy. Why, did, why up here? Like, what made him come up here? Yeah, yeah. I guess he just wanted to get away, and we don't have to get into why you yeah. wanted to get away. Yeah, just just get away for a while. Yeah. Just go, you know. New. I did the West Side forever, and I just was like, it's time for new, time for new digs. Yeah. Just time for a new vibe. Well, this neighborhood is very, like I said, it's very community driven. Yeah, um, they're all young families with young. So kids. many families, like the la- young um, young yeah. couples with young kids, and they're all like 
I feel like I'm just the, uh, the neighborhood uncle now. You're yeah. you're you're the guy too. I'm uncle number one. Yeah, yeah, you're uncle number one. I'm 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 your trainee. I'm like I'm in training. Let me tell you, how you were deep frying shit. You were like oh. you were doing the whole thing. Yeah. So my my buddies have a their house has like this outdoor kitchen. I, I burn my fingers doing it, but yeah, deep fryer grill, outdoor pool. like industrial kitchen. Double, up, double like deep fryer, yeah, double deep fryer, flat, flat top, top grill, yeah. the whole vibe, whole counter. Yeah, with, it's up like on this little terrace with a cabana. It's really beautiful. My buddy's an architect, so he did a really good job. He got bored during COVID, and he's like, "I'm yeah. gonna build an outdoor kitchen." I was like, "Oh, okay," and he did. You're like, "Yeah, put a double deep fryer in." Yeah, so make we sure. Can de- oh man, we deep fry it. Everything. It's Dude, crazy. Did we we deep fried you deep fried that crawfish. That was we deep fried. He deveined it and just like deconstructed the crawfish. Our friends ordered like fifty pounds. They had a, a New Orleans like theme Mardi Gras party, which was awesome. Which was just awesome. a random day in May. Just a random like, day. What does it have kid, to do with Mardi Gras? Like because we were we went. They were like we went to New Orleans one time, so yeah. we figured we do this. I'm like that's a good reason. They just came back, not just, but they yeah. were they were at Mardi Gras recently. That's great. They were like, Bing, let's. They, so they always have theme parties. Yeah. Everything's always a theme. With with Brittany especially. Yeah. She themes it up. It always has to be paired with and also like the drinks and the food. She's very she's a great organizer. Yeah. Like almost like an events producer in a weird way. Yeah, and I I'd been there the week before and she mentioned to you. She was like, Do you know I'm Ed? And I was like, you know, it's so funny because any other time I would have been like, Yeah, I met him once. But <laughs> but I was there like after seeing you twice in a week, we did the improv mm-hmm. together. Then we did the uh, the, the Bronston Venice yeah, Marina Venice, Killer Shrimp. Uh, yeah, yeah. Killer Shrimp. Venice, Venice Underground. Underground. Yeah. yeah, which is a great show if you're ever in Venice. It's at Killer Shrimp on Admiralty Way, I, th- I want to say. Yeah, and Marina yeah. Del Rey. Yeah. They used to do it at the Townhouse in Venice, right under the Venice sign. And they moved it to Killer Shrimp. And it's a cool little, like... Almost like a New York style jazz club. Yeah, yeah, and they got that little speakeasy room. It's like killer, speakeasy. killer yacht club. That, yeah. that whole, that whole like property. It's like killer shrimp, it's killer sushi, killer, this, killer, killer yacht club. And there's like people go wait and killer shrimp. I'm like, oh, there's a little room. You like do the restaurant. You enter yeah. through like a wine library and shit like that. It's, yeah, it's wild. It's pretty cool. It's every Wednesday. Check it out. It's called Venice. You uh, killed it that that show too. So did you? That was a fun yeah, show. That was a fun one. I think the crowds are always pretty good there the yeah. last space at townhouse my sets were always hit and miss for some reason but this new spot i don't know i just feel like maybe the feng shui in the room yeah. or the energy i don't know yeah um but such it's a not it, the the other show was cool because it was like all young people you hang out after yeah. you do the thing but also young venice like they're too cool for school they're like oh yeah they're like we really like the show it's like oh you could have laughed Right. You know? No, well, like, no, we're judging. No, laughing's it's not cool to laugh. Laughing's for old people. Yeah. In the marina, we old take, people laughing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're from New York originally. I am. Yeah. And you landed in LA twelve years ago, you told me? Twelve years ago. In in fact, uh June first will be my twelve year anniversary oh, okay. in, in Los Angeles. Maybe we'll try to get this episode out Yeah. Um so was in New York, born and raised in New York, born in the city, raised in Westchester. Um, started stand up there while I was in college, and what were you studying in college? Uh, radio and TV. Oh, okay. So where? I, uh, at Lehigh University in Bethlehem, I Pennsylvania. Know, I know Lehigh. I don't know it, but I know. It's so funny. I know. I used to work with a comic who met his wife there. Really? Yeah. Yeah, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, man. Interesting. It's a Bethlehem, the home of Bethlehem Steel, Lehigh. used to be the biggest. I've never, I haven't heard that name in years, but my old uh, comedy colleague. 
uh, I used to tour with. He said he's, he met his wife there in Lehigh University. Yeah. He a joke about it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's like two hours outside New York City, yeah. you know? So I used to, I started, I took a stand-up class in New York when I was still in college. I was doing TV. I wanted to do radio, Who of course. Who was teaching that class? Uh, D.F. Swedler at, at, at the Comic Strip Live. He is still at the Comic Strip Live <coughs> in New York. He still teaches Teaching the class. Classes? He teaches the class. He has like a Tuesday night. I think he uh, MCs every Tuesday. And what does it cost to take a class with him? I think at the time it was like 300 bucks for like eight weeks or something like that. That's pretty good. Yeah. And do, you, do you feel like it helped you? I mean, it helped me get... Like, I, I didn't even really, like, I, I've never, to this day, had plans to do stand-up comedy. Like, it was never a plan. What was your plan? I just wanted to do TV, radio, and then um, I uh, was in college. My girlfriend at the time was, like, we went and saw, she was at Columbia, and we would go to a comedy show at the comic strip, like, when I would come and see her in the city. I was like, this is pretty cool. And I was like, I feel like I could do this. And I was like, I feel like it could be. <laughs> Every comic says, yeah, uh, yeah. I could do that. I was like, I feel like, you know. And then I was like, oh, it would be a cool thing to try uh, because, you know, I'm trying to do radio. Like, it would be good to, like, get some sort you know, start telling Which, jokes. by the way, you have a great radio. Voice. Oh, thank you. I never thought I did. Like, and I feel like I grew into it. Like, in college, I hated hearing myself on the radio. But she was like, oh, I'm going to, they do a class. I, and she, like, got it for me as a birthday gift. And I did it. And it just, like. Got me, you know, got me kind of started, and I was just like, "Oh, it'll just be a thing I do for shits and giggles, like every once in a while." And, and where, then I just got she, got the now? bug. She, I think she lives in Dubai now. Oh, you got, oh, I just got back from Dubai. Did you? Yeah, I was in Dubai. I was in Dubai for a few days for the comedy festival. <laughs> I've been there a thousand times. How what, was the Dubai comedy festival? Um, it was. I was only. I went out there. Was part of like a lineup of I don't know. 10, 15 comics. So I only did seven minutes wow. each show. So I flew 16 hours to do seven minutes. Yeah. But I also just wanted to get back out there after the pandemic. Like, we've all been kind of, like, hunkered down for the last two and a half, three years. Yeah, and it's crazy. It's, it was nice to just kind of, like, get on a flight. You know, I flew Emirates Airlines, which has thousands of movies and TV shows. Yeah. So I just stayed busy watching shit. Um, and the food's pretty good on the flight car picked us up took us to this little cheeky hotel you seem like you'd fit in in dubai you seem I, like I, i've spent a lot of time in dubai yeah i bet yeah i don't it's not the city i would live in but for business or if somebody said hey we want to pay you a million dollars to in a villa <laughs> to have your own show i'd be like fuck yeah i'm going to dubai yeah it sounds but like a my, good deal my choice you know i did it it's yeah. small it's like the whole like parameter of dubai Imagine like downtown LA to Santa Monica. Okay. That's all of Dubai. Yeah. And then like both ways. It's like a very small, it's a city. It's not a country. Yeah. <coughs> but there's, you know, lots to do. And um, so, anyway, back to you. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, I don't even remember where we were. But oh, we were yeah. My, that was yeah. My, uh, my ex my girlfriend, my high school still girlfriend. Friends with her, though? You know, we were friends for a while. And then one day I realized she had unfollowed me on Instagram. It's like Instagram's everything these days, right? Like somebody unfollows you on Instagram. It's like, uh, and I don't even track that. Yeah. I don't, how do you even I, track? It was funny. I just phone? like, Did I notification come up. No, so I, just I just, you. I forget how it happened, but then like I was following her brother. And then I realized like, I realized like he unfollowed me. He, we, we had followed each other. And I was like, Oh, that's weird. I don't even know how I, I've noticed, 
But like, I noticed he unfollowed me, and I was like, oh, I should see if she. And she unfollowed me, and I was like, ah. Oh. Did you ever like get another girlfriend? I mean, no. I mean, this was like. Maybe I mean, she this saw is your lifestyle. Yeah, this is like twenty. I mean, we dated twenty years ago. But she you know? technically started your comedy career. She technically started she my paid comedy career. Yeah. Thank you, Kate, for starting my comedy career. And you know that, Kate? yeah, we give shout outs. Yeah. Here. And I have no so not all exes, but yeah. most exes. I have and I have no beef. I have no beef with her whatsoever. I don't know what the what Why the did beef you guys is. Break up? Uh, it was just I mean high school girlfriend. You know, high school girlfriend. I think it's date. cool that she fucking forked out three hundred bucks. Yeah, and yeah. Your it was like a com- I mean, she was the best girl. I you know, it was just like high school girlfriend into college, you know. I'm, she, I mean I was gonna have one girlfriend my whole life. If she's still single and hot, would you go back to her? She's not, she's married, she has kids. Fuck you, Kate. Yeah, but her family was her family was lovely. Her, you know, we had, we... I feel like great. you fucked it up. I, oh, I totally fucked it up. Totally fucked That's it up. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. I, t- I fucked it up. No, I just... I was in college, and I was like, what am I... Like, I wanted to fucking have sex with a second girl in my life, you know? You should you should convert to Islam. <laughs> you get bored. <laughs> yeah. so you know there's a mosque right next door? Is there? Literally, right next door, there's a mosque. Like, if you busted a hole through this wall... You'd go right into the prayer room. That, that seems that seems appropriate for this, and this place. This place is an ex rehab center. Is it? Did you and know that? No. And upstairs they just have a bowl of weed, just yeah, out, roll open, your own joint. just roll a joint. And then there's like, if you've never been a jam in the van, um, this three, place is awesome. Three three eight four Motor Avenue, West LA. Um, they do indoor shows, outdoor so- shows. They do they record. That's it's called Jam in the Van because they have a tour bus that's renovated into a recording studio, and they have awesome bands come in they go all over the country and do this shit and then they've during the pandemic they had comedy and then they just opened up this podcast studio and by the way wolf ramirez our producer i just want to give you one more shout out wolf ramirez our awesome <laughs> podcast a thumb up from behind the computer screen yeah, yeah. i'm trying to get a camera on him but he yeah. doesn't want to do it yet uh just for reactions and like you, you know somebody i want to get somebody yeah <laughs> but wolf does all our editing and um Everything, fucking subtitles, produced, videographer. So, thank you, sir. Thank you, Wolf. Um, all right. So, so you do the comedy classes. Do the comedy classes. Go back. To, I'm in college. I used to drive in and do these like bringer shows, like open mic type things. Like I don't know, once every couple weeks or something like that. In New York City. In New York City, I would drive in from school, um, and then Did they make you bark. I I barked for a while. The first tell, tell people what barking is. Barking is standing on the corner. With flyers and being like, comedy show tonight, comedy show, who wants to go to a comedy show? Two for one, blah, blah, blah. And the first club that passed me ever uh, was Boston Comedy Club, which is in, used to be in New York City. uh, Down, like, I mean, you could throw, I could throw a baseball from the Boston Comedy Club to where the cellar is. I used to bark on that corner of McDougal and Fourth. Yep. And then. You get passed at the cellar? Uh, I just got passed at the cellar. Oh, you did? I just. That's a big accomplishment. If you don't know what the comedy cellar is, it's literally the hottest comedy club in New York City. And to get past there when Esty like gives you the It's crazy because when I first started comedy, they did they did a bringer show at the cellar. Like comedy was like dying mm-hmm. at that time. You know, this is early two thousands. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Early two thousands. Uh, comedy's kind of like that that nineties boom is over. The podcast boom that happens like ten years later. There's there was a decade there where it was dark. Yeah. And they were doing bringer shows at the cellar. Why do you think that, that was? I just think it was like you had all that, you had that whole vibe of like every every comic gets a uh, sitcom, you know. It's like Tim Allen, Ray Romano, all that shit. Like late nineties. 
Yeah, I'm talking like late '90s, early 2000s. Like, think about the early 2000s. Like, who came from that time? You know, like David Tell, Rogan, Rogan. Yeah, like Burr popped on, you know, Chappelle and shit like that. But even that's like kind of later on. It was just like Eddie Griffin. Yeah, but but I mean, there was just no one in clubs. There was like no one really going because everyone was at home watching sitcoms. Exactly. Right. Every, everybody had a fucking Comedy Central presents. Everybody had a special, and it just like wasn't a thing. And you know, Roseanne. all yeah, the podcast I felt like br- bring brought back the, cl- the club life. So I used to perform at the cellar on these like bringer shows. And I would get I would get a, a spot here and there occasionally, but it was like the vibe of like oh my god, SD and like getting past like. It wasn't there. There was already like the comics table. That was all happening. Yeah. But it wasn't like I remember being at the cellar and not being like, this is the most important thing in the world. And then when it booms, it's like, dude, you're never working the cellar again. And I never even thought about it. I never asked anybody to recommend me or whatever. I go to New York. I, my favorite club, um, in addition to the cellar, now that I'm past, is the stand. I love the guys at love the stand. Patrick. Yeah, Patrick and Chris. Patrick, and Patrick is, you know what I like about Patrick? If Patrick is it Milligan? Yep. Yeah, this guy's like six five. Yeah, six six. Red hair, like true Irishman. Patrick Milligan. Yeah, he's a big dude, but he's so fucking sweet. So nice. So nice. All and all the people there have been nothing but nice to me. They let and the me. The new the new club with the is, pizza oven is and gorgeous. All that. Yeah, they did yeah. a good job. It's like it's like more than a comedy club. It's like a great restaurant and a great yeah. bar, if and they happen to do awesome comedy shows. Yeah, if you're in New York and they have two rooms. Yeah. Right? Two rooms, like multiple shows. I remember going there <clears throat> before the pandemic. They Patrick and um, Chris Italia, yep. the owner. They used to give me spots there, man, like three, four, five spots a night. Yeah. So I was walking out with like eight hundred bucks a night. They're the best stand up comedy. They're the best. Honestly, the same place. Yeah, they're honestly the best dudes. I love Chris so much. Chris is like yeah, been so supportive. Shout out support- to the stand. Shout out to Patrick. Go to the stand in New York City. Like it's awesome. Chris has really been cool. so supportive of my career. They let me shoot my special there that I did oh, at, at their old at their old spot. Okay. Um, and so when I would go back to New York, I was just like the stand. First people I called, Gotham. I'd go to the comic strip where I started every once in a while. Gotham, I, I love Gotham. I don't get a lot of love there, but yeah. um, uh, who's the owner? Chris. Chris. Another Chris. Mazzilli. Yeah. Mazzilli. Yeah. Chris Mazzilli is one of the classiest motherfuckers I've ever met in my life. This guy's a GQ Vanity Fair. Yeah, yeah. The way he... he Have al- you ever seen him not in a suit? He's always in a... like Not only a suit, a fucking badass like tailored yeah. suit. Like yeah. expensive I don't think suit. I've ever seen him with his... Suit unbuttoned, and he's a real handsome dude. Yeah, and I remember, uh, like most Italian men, just a just sharp dress and handsome man. Oh, you, you guys, you guys have it together. And, <laughs> and I remember meeting Mazzelli, and he was always nice to me. I met him kind of indirectly when I was doing this uh, the Sullivan and Son TV yep, show yep. that Vince Vaughn produced. Yeah, we were all on tour with uh, the guys and stuff. But Mazzelli, um, he he's just always been like really nice to me and like respectful. He's like. You know, he's a businessman, too, so he's like, are you going to sell tickets? Yeah, yeah. Or let me give you a Wednesday kind of thing. Right, right? totally. But I remember um, I remember Chris Mazzelli one time, I said, uh, what's your worst, like, story that's ever happened in here? And he was like, one time a bunch of guys came in, and they were, like, cackling and being loud, and my bouncers went over and said something, and they didn't comply. They went back over and said something. They didn't comply. I said, what'd you do? He goes, I walked over, I tapped the, the main guy who was heckling, I tapped him on the shoulder, and I said, my name's Chris Mazzelli, ask around. 
and he walked away. I don't know what he said, like how he said it. Yeah. But the guy got nervous and like looked over his shoulder. Yeah. Like, this is some good fella shit. I'm yeah. Get and if you're if you're if you have the balls to even just say that, you know that like you don't need to ask around. You're like, okay, maybe he I don't. He just fuck said my name's Chris Mazzelli. And the guy was like, who yeah, who are you? And he goes, ask around. Yeah. And he walked away. And I was like, did it work? And he goes, yeah, they got up and they left. I mean, you know, it's like a scene out of The Irishman. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I paint now, houses. Now you can't leave, you know, if they close the doors. Lock the doors. Yeah. Now, you, now, you, now you're now you here for another night. fucking show. Here's the, the fucking after show starting. Yeah. So I, I'd always go to those clubs when I was in New York. And then, uh, you know, good friend of mine was like, hey, man. Uh, I'm gonna recommend you to SD, uh, mostly because he was he wanted to get me in at Vegas. He's like Who, the, Ve- the Eddie, Eddie F. Eddie F. Yeah, Eddie yeah. F. If you don't know, Eddie yeah. F. Uh, I always F. The, the the weird thing about the seller is like everybody wants a recommendation. You know what I mean? So it's like I don't want I didn't want to like throw it up, but like Eddie's Eddie's like Eddie said you're the second person I ever. Uh, recommended. So the first F, one was Pete Davidson. Eddie Ift is one of those guys who he doesn't recommend anybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the fact that he did that, he did it for me, too. and I never asked him to. He's worked at the Comedy Cellar for twenty years. I never yes, asked him to. Him. And uh, so I was in New York recently, and he's like, "I'm going to recommend you to Esty. Um, maybe she sees you. Maybe she puts you on in Vegas. Maybe she puts you on in New York." I was like, "Okay, well, I'm leaving New York in two days." So I was like, "I don't know, if, but maybe she'll see me the next time I'm here." He calls me back, and he's like. She wants to see you tomorrow night, and you got to do five minutes. And I was just like, bro, you know, how, how often do you do five minutes anymore? Never. So, I, d- I did seven in Dubai. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do for five minutes. Yeah, because you have, how much material do you have? Yeah, an hour and a half yeah, of so like, what are you, you what, what are your best? Yeah. You know, they always say, like, do your Tonight Show set. Yeah. Do your best. Tonight. I was like, I don't know what my Tonight Show set is. I called my manager. I was like, should I do? I did I did Just for Laughs a couple years ago, mm. and I had a five-minute set on that. I was like, do I just go back to that? She's like, that's old. Don't do that. And I was like, well, I don't know what to do for five minutes. So I called our good friends at The Stand. Um, shout out to Joe at The Stand, who's, like, the manager. And I was like, Joe, I need five tonight, like, two two spots if I could. And he's like, come by. I got you. Did a couple five-minute sets. Went over the next day to the cellar. Did two minutes of my five minutes were brand new jokes that I had done twice. And I was like, I don't know why I'm doing this. But I did it. She loved it. She followed me upstairs. I've heard this thing. Oh, she'll send you upstairs and you'll just sit there for a year not knowing whether or not. Esty you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. And Esty followed me upstairs and she was like, so you want to work Vegas? And I was like, yeah. And she's pulled out her calendar. Do it in her voice. She's, yeah. She's like, oh. First, she's like, good job, good job, good job. Go upstairs, upstairs, upstairs. And I was like, okay. And then I walk upstairs. She follows me. And I was like, okay, this is good because the last guy, she didn't, she just let it. He's still sitting over there waiting to talk to her. <laughs> so she follows me upstairs and I open the door and she's like, so you want to work Vegas? And I was like, no, no, say, yeah. it, say it like her voice. Yeah. I was like, she's like, so you want to work Vegas? Yeah. She's, yeah? she's, she's like, like she's, Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to work Vegas? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, yeah. I, I, I was like, great, I was like, I'll work wherever you want to have me. And so then I went back over to the bar where I had left my beer before I went downstairs. I'm sitting there. And then she goes over, sits at the comics table, pulls yeah. out a book. Uh, and she's like, Joe, come, come, she's, come. She's already scheduled. Yeah. It. She goes, come, come, come. She works like that. Yeah. yeah. She, she, I sit down next to her and she's like, So, how's your July? And I was like, It's open, like, whatever. And I mean, honestly, one of the biggest thrills of my life were all the comics at the comic table. Um, I remember Phil Hanley was there. He's a killer. Mm-hmm. He was like, I guess this audition went pretty fucking. She's booking you right now? Yeah. Uh, he was like, I've, This is unheard of. Yeah. And I was like, True. Well, 
this this is great. So I got a booking for Vegas, and I was just it was a fucking thrill, man. I I killed. Uh, I was so panicked about going over my time. My last joke, I had like two, three more punches left, but the joke I did got an applause break, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm out." I was like, "Thank you, that's my time," and I left those last that, two that tags. Did the trick. And I, what, yeah, tell everybody like what you're, because I don't want to ruin it. Yeah, <laughs> like what, tell me like some of the premises of your material. Uh, so for that show, I did. I opened up. I talked about being 42, single, you know, never married, no kids. Do a whole thing about you know being single. Being being an uncle, um, you know my my. Uh, you have be, siblings. Yeah, and I got three siblings: two brothers and a sister. Okay. And, and where, where do you fall? I'm second of four. So it's hard to be second. Yeah, my older brother's kind of a wild card, kind of a black sheep, crazy man. So I always kind of felt like I was like sort of the oldest because yeah. he was like not trust. Let me, let me with ground this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, but forever it was just the three boys, first three. So I was like. Classic middle child. Then baby sister came along and it kind of like balance some things out. It's like you're not the middle anymore. You're second of four. That's a whole other. That's a whole other thing. We have six. I have four sisters wow. and a brother. Yeah. Four sisters. Yeah, it was a shit show. Yeah, <laughs> total shit show in our house. So yeah, I did. I did some jokes about you know being an uncle, being the last single friend. How all my friends like I'm the guy they call when they need a night out. You know, and they, you're the scapegoat. Yeah, exactly. I used to always have my friends, and I won't name names. But they would call me up and say, "Hey, man, uh, I did this last night. My wife thinks I'm with." A hundred percent. Yeah. I'm like, dude, don't don't throw me. Don't I don't want to be associated. No, don't do that. They're like, just say yes. Yeah. If she calls. One of the jokes I have is like, all my friends' wives hate me because they think I'm this bad influence, and I'm like, dude, I'm just a guy sitting at home trying to fucking relax, and every one of your husbands is like, dude. I need a night. And I'm like, you all fuck every night somebody needs a night. So I told I told I would tell my friends who are married who would try to use me as a scapegoat. I'm I'm like, hey man, I'm you know, don't put me in that situation because I'm not gonna lie to your wife. Yeah. Or girlfriend or whatever. Like I don't I can't look at somebody in the eyes and say, Oh no, we did this and didn't yeah. do that. Like I think that's happened once or twice, just because I didn't want the guy to get in trouble, but I don't like being put in that position. Yeah. And I think guys like us always get thrown under the bus as the totally, right. yeah. And it was like, oh, Joe's a bad influence. I'm like, I'm a good, I'm a good friend. I'm a good friend because I'm not going to tell you that you you were out of town for five minutes before your husband called me and was like, how do we get cocaine? Let's get cocaine and go bowling. I was like, what the fuck? That's the two things. The first, your wife went out of town. The first two things you think of is let's get cocaine and go bowling. I was like, when I get a call from one of my married friends. I know I'm in for some sort of single guy make a wish evening. Sure. You know, I gotta do whatever this dude wants. Right. And it's like they're always, oh, you gonna fuck that girl? You gonna fuck that girl? I'm like, no, she's fucking gross. Oh, come on, man, I'd fuck her. I was like, so go fuck her. I'm not gonna tell your wife. It's all there's, they, they want to live through you so there's hard. There's a comic that does a joke about that. Who was it? I want to say it's Orny Adams. But he he does a joke where he's like, oh yeah, dude, uh, I could fuck her, and he's and, and he goes, no, you can't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's over. The ship sailed. Yeah. So yeah, it was, uh, that's kind of the shtick. I built. I did the whole, you know, personal. I was like, oh, do five minutes. That's personal. Do do your uh, forty-two. Never married. No kids. Uncle. Blah 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 blah. Why I'm single. All and that, that shit. All and it all worked. And then my last joke is, uh, I did. A, I do a joke about sh- priests and sharks. It's. I don't. You've, I think, I think you've heard. also likes humility. Like yeah. she likes people that are humble. If you come into the, to the cellar cocky. She doesn't even care if you have. I think Chelsea Handler went in there one night, claiming like she's Chelsea Handler. Yeah, Esty wouldn't put her on stage. 
That's, she, does, she doesn't care about That it. was the thing about getting past that made me, like, it really did feel like a moment in my career because I was like, a lot of big comics, you know, sell out rooms or tour or whatever from whatever the thing that they were on or that they do, but they're not past here. And this yeah. is like, this is the big leagues. Like, it's, yeah. you know, if you're, it's like, make, you know, there's a lot of ball players out there, but like only so many get to the big leagues. It was like passing at the seller, I felt like, okay. Maybe I sh- maybe I am doing this. Yeah, maybe like I'm how, doing like okay. How many, how many at bats do you get? Right? Yeah. So then you're you get in, you're embedded in the New York comedy scene, but then you pivot here. Yep. Now, now getting past with the seller happened recently or back so, little two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Yeah. So you were in New York. I was in New York. Went went back to New York at the end of April. Yeah, it was like end. Of, it was like early May when I got and I stayed and I extended my trip a day to do it. Did it and like. For it 20 years up. since I, I worked there the first time on a bringer show, I just never, you know, I've hung out in the room, and it's so great, the, the room upstairs and everything, but the, somebody goes, hey, I'm going to recommend you. I went, I did it, I fucking got it. It's like... So when you so you, you came to L.A. for what reason? To get the TV deal? to get the- You know what? I was working in New York for a long time, dating a girl. Uh, we were living separately, and we just talked about, like, we both kind of wanted to change a pace. She had a good friend who lived out here. I was I went to a wedding in San Diego and was like, I surf. This is dope. The weather's great. Surf? Yeah, yeah. Are you good? I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, I'll be the judge of that. Yeah, I'm okay. You know? <laughs> You surf with Eddie? I surf with Eddie, yeah. That whole crew surfs, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I you know, can't. like the pilot. There's a couple of people in that neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. I surf. I surf. I didn't know that. Yeah. I started You're surfing. A tall guy. In, yeah. You're 6'5? Six, 6'4. Six, I started surfing in New York and would go out to the Hamptons and Montauk all the time and okay. surf out there and worked out there for a couple summers. And, um, and then just like I went to a wedding in San Diego, God knows what month, and I, it was like warm and I went into the water and my. How long is your board shorts? How long is your board? My board that I ride mostly is like six three. I think it's six three. Like a long board, kind of. No, it's like a, it, I'm a big guy, so it's like it's a short. It's like a it's a short board. It's not a super short board. It's not like a. I need to get back into it. Yeah, I, I haven't surfed or tried to surf in probably 15, 20 years. Yeah, it's the best. I have a board. I have a six nine rusty. Yeah, that's that's a great size for the waves out here. Yeah, it's like for Venice. Malibu, yeah. Venice, all that shit. Yeah. So I just was like, I'm done with surfing cold weather and putting, you know, putting on a hood and booties and gloves and Vaseline yeah, to surf in the winter. Yeah, yeah. And my my girlfriend at the time wanted to come out here, and I was like, let's do it. And I would have loved to move to San Diego, but there's no there's there's a great comedy scene there now. But when yeah, I moved out here, it was, it was nothing. We were just talking about that. Faraz Ozel was here before. Is he from San Diego? He went to school there. He went okay. to UCSD. But yeah. we were talking about the comedy scene in San Diego at one point when it was dead yeah nothing but now it's thriving yeah there was no, i think there was just just madhouse when i madhouse, first w- yeah. when i well, and the la jolla comedy store and the la jolla comedy store which right. is awesome yeah um but yeah so i was like well i can't move to san diego i guess it's la and i was like la has always felt like too clean too nice too whatever for me as like a visit you know like mm-hmm. i don't go, and then so i was like well i'm going to venice and I moved from New York to Venice and was like, I love this. This is the did, best thing ever. How did you survive? Like, did you have savings? Did you get a part-time job? Did your no, parents so support you? I, when I first got out here, I was working in New York. Like, I w- when I was doing comedy, I was like on and off, on and off. Like, sometimes, you know, I would do colleges and I would like, I would get a good run of comedy and then I would like find myself back at some shit job. And I was working like some horrible desktop. And then I started working, I would coach baseball. 
So I would coach baseball in the summers in the Hamptons, and it was like very well paying. High school? Uh, in the summers, it was uh, kids. It was like youth baseball camp uh, that my buddy owned. And then I started coaching high school baseball in New York, and then I came out here and I got a couple of high school. I, I coached baseball out here for nine years, high school, oh, varsity, wow. high school baseball. Is the money good in that? Not great. But then Not it's enough to keep stay alive. No, it's I mean for it's good during the spring you're making enough money to like get by. But then I would do lessons and I would like do clinics and do all the shit. I would so I was coaching baseball, getting by. Used to book a comedy show in New York that they would pay you me ever for. Heard of Cooperstown Baseball Dreams Park. Yeah, my yeah. friend, my buddy owns it. Really? Yeah. I have a buddy who literally just got hired to work there. He's like a, oh really a director or like something like that. Like literally, my best friend owns that place. I, I don't want to divulge his name. Yeah. He's well, we'll talk about that after because he's, he's behind the scenes. But he, he literally, I, I mean, I've tr- it's it's like, <clears throat> it's almost like um, it's it's Disneyland meets Willy Wonka for baseball. Yeah. It's Thousands incredible. Of Thousands of kids up. go. They there's there's an there's insane fields and you're in yeah, Cooperstown. Like Twenty three baseball fields. Yeah. They're Amazing. It's funny uh, if you look at it from an aerial like. Uh, view or picture they look like crop circles yeah 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 it's it's awesome and yeah i worked in baseball for a long time like worked for a baseball uniform company for a long time like selling baseball uniform like selling baseball uniform events to leagues and shit like that and then finally just like hit my stride have a sports podcast dirty sports which since you're listening to a podcast right now you can check out dirty Dirty Sports. sports check it out on all platforms dirty sports kind of Took off really quickly, and now you know. Now it's comedy only and comedy adjacent, like comedy podcast, comedy on the road, and here we are. Who who inspired you, like as a comic? My my. The only reason I'm in comedy at all is David Letterman. Oh really? Like I was like, I want to be David Letterman. When I was fucking in high school, I was like, that's my gig. I'm gonna like, I'm gonna go to school. I'm just gonna go for radio and TV, and I'm just gonna be Letterman. And that's what kind of inspired me to start comedy too, because I read his biography that he came out here and did the store and whatever. And I was like, I know his backstory, by the way, because Mitzi Shore told me. Yeah. Yeah. Mitzi Shore said he was a weatherman in Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. He moved out to Hollywood in a beat up old red truck with his dog. He had a red afro and buck teeth and a plaid jacket. Sounds about right. He used to host the original room every night. And then one day he said he was going to quit and go back to Ohio and be a weatherman. And I said, no, stay in L.A. You're going to be a star. And she was right. And she was right. And but she also paid for his, uh, one of his abortions. Wow. He banged one of the Filipino waitresses. <laughs> that's a, true that's story. a good That's a good Letterman story right that's there. That's a, good, that's a good tale. Sorry, Letterman. We don't yeah. know each other. I've never met you, but we know about you. Missy told me. So, yeah, I just, I, he was I my, love Letterman. he was my idol. He, he, to this day, is my idol. Like, I just, his comic sensibility, his hosting, his everything. When he got his show, apparently, rumor has it, or story has it, that sh- he flew Mitzi Shore out to New York City, walked her up the CBS, whatever, yeah. building, the high-rise building. NBC at the time, right? NBC, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, there were, like, 60 employees, you know, in their little cubicles working. And he goes, hey, everybody. This is Mitzi Shore, the owner of the comedy store. If it wasn't for her, none of you would have a job. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And she said, I cried when he said <laughs> I never met Mitzi. She was a beautiful woman, man. That woman, she literally changed my life. Like, she came into my life in 1999. 
when I was doing a show called Dublin's on Sunset Street. Okay, like yeah. hot show we were doing. Everybody was coming through that show, and, and we ended up taking our show over to the comedy store. And that's, <coughs> that's when I met Mitzi Shore, and she was so nice and kind to me. I've talked about it on podcasts uh, here before, but um, I did a set... It was Sam Tripoli, Brett Ernst. Oh, all Dan, my favorites. Dan I fucking Cook, love those guys. Jay Davis was hosting. Love Jay. And then myself. I just threw myself up in the lineup because I was producing it. Yeah. And I got a, you know big laughs when I was talking about being Middle Eastern and all this. This is pre-9-11. Yeah. She came up to me afterward and she goes, hey, you're really funny. Are you Arabic? <laughs> and I said, I'm Arabic. Yeah. <laughs> she goes, oh. Where are you from originally? And I said, Egypt. She goes, oh, you're Egyptian? You know, we used to be your slaves. Thanks, Missy. Yeah. And she walked away. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I guess I work for you now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> how the then, tables have turned. Right, how the tables have turned. And then the next day, I got a call from the booker, Duncan Trussell. I don't yeah. know if you know him. Yeah. He used yeah. to book the club. He said, hey, man, Mitzi wants to make you a paid regular. And I was like, oh, he's like, she, he's like, she really likes you. And then that's how Axis of Evil started, mm -hmm. and yeah, she was very... Your name on the wall there. My name is on the wall at the Comedy Store, above the main room, on Twice. the Sunset Strip. Twice. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, that's awesome. She's one of those, she's one of those star you makers. never met her, though. Never met her. She just... But she, it's like, she you hear Mitzi, Lorne Michaels, yeah, Esty. It's like... Some the, of these people just have... I feel like I have that, and I hate to age myself, but I've... I've met a lot of comics that I've helped out. I've I, I never made them stars, but I connected with them before they became stars, right. and I gave them work. Sebastian Maniscalco, Whitney Cummings, Eric Griffin. I mean, the list goes on and on. I haven't heard of any of those people, but... Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> I'll, I'll Google them. Um, I've always just... I, I, I meet comics, and then it's funny because... In the comedy world, let me ask you something. Comics are like... The, you know, we're different sort of artists and beasts in the sense of there's really no camaraderie. There's no really no, for the most part, it's not a team sport. Yeah, it's very much a solo. Right. Solo. So you sport. never know who's helping you or who's yeah, trying to fucking totally. sabotage you or totally. who's talking shit about you or who doesn't want you to make it or how come he got a special and I didn't. Yep. He said, she said, it's a really, you know, catty kind of world. Like, how do you navigate through all that? It's funny when I was I've in New York. When I was in New York, I was the worst networker ever. I had very few friends in comedy. I just like felt like I, I growing up being an athlete, like playing sports. I was always like, you, you, if you're good, you're gonna get in. You know what I mean? And so in comedy, I was always just like, just be funny, and eventually, and it's like so not that way at all. You know, it's you gotta kiss show business yeah, for a reason. Yeah, you gotta kiss all the right asses, you gotta whatever. So in New York, I had very few comedy friends, and I just did my own thing. For a while I had my own like variety show in Brooklyn that I would put like the few people in comedy I liked up. I worked with a bunch of like a, like a little writing team of guys that weren't really stand-ups, but like really funny dudes. We created this dope variety show. And then when I came out to LA, I was I had a show in New York that was at a casino that I booked and it paid really well. And I would just like offer it to people here. I was like, Which hey, casino? it was at Yonkers, Empire City, Yonkers Raceway. Yeah. Where is that? It's like just north of the Bronx. It's the closest, <laughs> it's the closest casino to New York. Oh, I thought you said LA. No. So when I was, when I moved out here, I still had a show that I ran there. Oh, okay. And they would pay me to book it. And it was a great gig. And it was, it was, it paid well enough. Like where if you were in the city, it was like, 
if you were in New York City, it was like the fucking best gig ever. But for LA comics, I would be like, listen, it's not going to pay you, you know, you'll get 600 bucks to feature or 400 bucks to host. But I was like, that pays for your flight. So go there, do my show, and then find all your spots. And I would just tell that to people I really liked. And then, like, I, then I started using it to my advantage. I told, you know, the dudes who ran Comedy Juice, hey, hey go, go do my show. I told this person. I told that person. And just, like, that was the thing that kind of got me in the door a couple places. And then it was, oh, and he's fucking funny. Right. And, and once, you're, you know, once you're in the door and they see you're funny, then shit just starts to happen. And I made way more comedy friends out here than I ever did in New York. When I broke up with my girlfriend who I moved out here with, a buddy of mine in Santa Monica or in Venice was like, hey, dude behind me is also a comic and he's like renting his garage. And I was like, dude, I don't want to fucking live in some comic's garage. He's probably not funny. He's probably a shithead. And he's like, well, his name's Lachlan Patterson. Look him up. I yeah. Lachlan. I looked up Lachlan. I saw his Tonight Show set. I was like, oh, he's fucking By the way, funny. I'm not like into men. Yeah. But he's, he's I know. It's the worst, this dude. Guy, Lachlan Patterson. Look this guy up. Yeah. He's, he's what, he's 6'6? Six, six? Yeah, he's like 6'5, I think. Six, he's a, he looks like Aquaman. He looks like he's he's a chiseled, handsome chiseled, man. Chiseled, blue eyes. Yeah. Like chiseled. Like model looking dude. Yeah. Great fucking hair. Now he grows the hair out. He did the whole fucking <laughs> thing. So I. But I, super nice. The nicest Canadian. Never, is he Canadian? Yep. Oh, Canadian. That's why, eh? Nicest dude. I didn't know that. I didn't realize he was Canadian. So I, I look him up. He's funny. My buddy introduces him to me. He's like, hey, yeah, you're a comic? Oh, cool. I have this garage. We're renting it for like, not, we're doing some work back here. So as long as you can put up with the noise, I'm like, dude, I, I just got to have a relationship. This I need is a place. Lachlan's garage. Yeah. This is Lachlan's garage. Is I this need post kid? This is no, this is pre-kid. This is like probably eight years ago now. Okay. Ten ten years ago, maybe. He's such a sweet guy. And I moved in with Lachlan, and that was like my gateway to Lachlan, Eddie If, Bronston, Bronston, Jay Davis. I met through those guys who's always been awesome to me and giving me spots forever. And doing his show at uh what was the one he did at the bar um recently? Yamashiro. Uh no, it's like fuck. What was it on on Melrose? Oh, he did um forever. Yeah, it was called. Uh, I did it a couple times. Yeah, I did I his. Sh- I did his show. Right there on Melrose. Yeah, yeah. It was a sports bar. Yeah, I did his show there. That's where my, I found my what manager. Was called? My manager found me at Jay's show. Oh, like, really? and it was just like manager to this day. To this day, Who's yeah. Randy Siegel, the, the Ma- Randy Siegel. You know, I love Randy. She is the best. I'm going to do this again because, like, I love my manager. Like, there's not a lot of people who can say that. Like, I love Randy Siegel. She is the best. She's like my business godmother. She's like my business fairy godmother. Look, if you have somebody out there that really wants to, like, get behind you, stick with them. She is so supportive and such a bulldog. And you'll get poached by other bigger agencies and people. And, and it's you know, grass is always greener, but... I've always been told, like, hey, Ahmed, you know, we like you, but you're unmanageable. I get that a lot. Unmanageable. Canceled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Randy's the best because we'll have, like, knockdown, drag-out fights, and she'll be, she'll be upset for a little while. I'll be upset. It's like I saw her at the improv recently. Yeah, probably when I was there. Probably Who's the night the we were guy? there. Rick Siegel, is that his name? There's a yeah, there's name Rick Siegel. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of Rick Siegel, sorry. Randy Siegel. Randy are they, Siegel. Are they related? I don't think so. 
No. She's the best though. She comes to, like all my shows. She does all the things. She's gonna listen to this podcast. She's gonna she watches she listens to my sports podcast twice a week. Shout out to you. She is the you. best manager in the whole fucking world. I'll I'll you know, people always go, Oh, you don't move on to bigger I'll never leave. I might get a fucking agent and do whatever, but Randy Siegel no, will but always if somebody be my can manager. manage you yeah. and kind of like, you know, play a little chess. Until she career, until yeah. she drops me, she'll be my manager. Or or she drops the ball. Yeah. On a couple. No, she'll never. She'll, yeah, she'll never do that. Not for me. She'll never drop the ball. She what's, is. What's coming up for you? What's next for you? Uh, you know, I. It's funny because this this move to the neighborhood that we talked about. I was just like, I am taking a step back from everything. So I'm just gonna like, I'll be on the road a little bit. We're going to Cabo. Uh, Eddie and I are going to Cabo in the beginning of June. Are you doing Manny Maldonado? Manny Maldonado's? I don't. Room, I don't think so. It's through. Um, the dudes who run Grand Comedy Club down in Escondido. Uh, okay, I just I just came back from Cabo like a week and. I think there's a couple Cabo comedy shows yeah. all of a sudden. Manny Maldonado, who's gonna come on my podcast soon, is one of the, I call him Machine Gun Manny. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's great. You know Manny, right? Yeah, yeah. He runs. He runs a. It's it's fun. It's a fun gig. It's you're in and out. Yeah. Um, so down there and then just like on the road doing shows here and there got my Vegas dates from SD does Randy give you get you gigs road gigs Um, mostly I do the road gigs mostly myself you get here and there so you do all the outgoing yeah and then like every once in a while if you're if you're a comic don't don't rely on your manager or agent to get you gigs you need to get on the phone or email or DM these clubs and you just need to just you know, I probably reach out to 50 clubs a day. Yeah. I might get one or two responses. And I'm the worst. I'm the worst. Like, I've always I've always been the worst comedy networker. I just, like... Well, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but, you know... It's a lot of work. I shoot, I shoot my shot every once in a while, and, you know, you get booked. All of the people I just named, though, Ed, Lachlan used to bring me out on the road for years. Eddie brings me out. Eddie is... Eddie Ift, another one, is just like the best dude. He brings me out, and he's like, I don't want you opening for me. I'm only going to bring you places where I think they'll headline you. They'll see you. They'll see you kill. They'll headline you. It's already worked. It's funny because when we saw each other at, yeah. up in the neighborhood, <clears throat> I asked Eddie to come to the, do the podcast. Yeah. He was like, yeah, you know, he was kind of like, he's always a little bit like. Squirrely. Yeah. yeah. And I asked you, and you're like, I'll be there. What time? You yeah. Put in your, you know, <laughs> you're like. There was a difference. Yeah, well, you're you've always been. It's funny. Like I've met you, uh, I don't know, a handful of times over the years, and every time I've met you, it's funny because like you'll repeat yourself. But like every single time I've met you and done a show with you, you're like, bro, you're so funny. How did I not? How do I not know you? I'm like, well, you've said this three times now. <laughs> but I'm sorry. No, but uh, you've always like you've always been so complimentary of me whenever I do stand up in your you're presence. Funny as fuck. Yeah, dude. and and I just like appreciate that. And so when everybody like. We, we talked about all the networking and, like, who you know and whatever. But, like, the people that stand out to me in comedy are the people that are just genuinely like, hey, man, I think you're fucking funny. Like, it's kind of – you don't – it doesn't happen a lot. Everybody, like you said, it's like – it's a solo sport. So we're all, like, kind of like, do I tell somebody that they're funny? Do I right. not tell somebody? A, a, a dude, like, a girl, like, I'm whatever. okay with it. Yeah. Because I've always, like – I am I have my comic, you know, side of my brain. And I have my, yeah. pro- my producer yeah. hat that I wear. Uh, I think I'm a better producer and a cheerleader than I am a comic. Yeah. Although I have funny stories and I can hold my own on stage, but I really like to nurture. Like I'm, a, I have a little bit of a Mitzi Shore in me. Yeah. Where I see a comic and I just I see the potential there, and then I just want to nurture that potential for some reason. It's uh, maybe it's because I'm a cancer. Yeah, I'm a cancer know. too, buddy. Right, yeah. July fifth. June twenty seventh. All right, here we All go. Right, here Coming we go. up. 
coming up. Too sensitive and emotional guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that should be the name of our podcast. Let's <laughs> do a podcast. Comedy. We should just do comedy cancers. Comedy cancers. Multi, multiple meanings. The cancers of comedy. Yeah. <laughs> you want to tell us? We're gonna wrap it up. You want to tell us your best Hollywood tale? Sure. So I, I've, I've been like racking my brain because I'm like, I don't have the great like found myself in the chateau doing coke with <laughs> Slash or anything. It could be funny. It yeah. could be dark. It well, could this be is my related to anything. Yeah. So this is my my like the moment I knew I was like, and it didn't even happen in Hollywood. But then the the moment I was like, oh, L.A. is different from New York. When I first moved out here, I uh, moved to Venice. I was living uh, on Penmar, right by like you know the gas station on like Venice and uh, Lincoln. There's that there's that Chevron gas station. Yeah. So I was like back on on the uh, east side. And I've always been like a, a sports networker, a terrible comedy networker. But like, if somebody goes, "Oh, you're tall. You play basketball." I'm like, "Yeah, you got a game. Let's like, let's fucking play." So, I somehow got roped into this. Uh, there was like a weekly Venice High School like uh, full court basketball run, and I would just go like, you know, every Wednesday or whatever it was. So one Wednesday, I am running a little late, and I get there, and there's there's, the game's already on, and it's the thing, you know, five guys are sitting out. They have winners. Winners stay on, that kind of thing. So I'm, like, lacing up my shoes and uh, watching the game go on, and there's one dude out there who's, like, small. I'm, like, this guy is fucking a clown. Like, he's going to get worked out here. But as I'm watching, I'm, like, this guy has a motor. Like, he is nonstop. He is running full fucking sprint up and down the course court. He is in the mix for rebounds i'm like this this little guy fucking works so the like but i'm not paying that close then you know i'm like kind of watching the game i'm watching this dude who's like all right and then i finally lace up game ends uh they're like all right you're on next i get in we're all matching up and i get a closer look at him and it is flea oh really from the fucking red hot chili peppers like five five like he's that short. Like he's short. He, I don't. He can I mean, ball? he. I actually met Flea once. I met he, Flea he can once. ball, but like he he balls because he's like Mister Hustle. He's, he's got scrappy, a little jump shot. Scrappy. Scrappiest ball player I've ever seen. And then like the whole game, I mean, he is stealing rebounds from me. I'm six foot four. He's because I'm just like, do I box Flea out or do I fucking like? Was, he, was he scoring? He was scoring, dude. He had a motor. He was he was That's he was hilarious. he was making jump shots. He was scoring. It was like you know the the little scrappy little putbacks and you know a little loose ball, pick it up. I didn't know that. Yeah, and I was just like that was Flea had a he may have had a you know future in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. I think if he was if he had been you know six foot four, he'd be in the NBA. <laughs> It's like the spud web of rock stars. And it was absolutely like if you watch Flea play bass, it's like it's the same vibe. It's just right. like this uh, erratic uh, energy. Like he is vibing. I met him once. I met him once through uh, Tom Morello. You know Tom Morello? Yeah. Yeah. Tom Morello is a friend of mine. He actually did our first podcast, um, the Hollywood Tales podcast. But I met him. Tom used to do this thing called the Axis of Justice. Okay. It was Tom Morello, um, Serge. From System of Yeah, the yeah, yeah. He lives up in that hood. Yeah, Flea and a couple other people. And they they kind of just got this band, like this makeshift band together, and they did this 
fundraiser charity thing that I ended up hosting, and I met Lee really briefly. I don't remember him being that short, though. I, I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe it's because it was tall, like... You're tall, you're six Yeah, feet. but he's not... I, he, don't, I don't think he's 5'5". Five five. No, should, we but should he's, Google him. he's not 5'10". Uh, no, no, he's definitely short, but 5'5", yeah. five five, maybe... 5'6", five 5'7", five but short. Probably, probably on, five a basketball court, <laughs> on a basketball court, he was noticeably short. On a, in a pickup basketball game, that was like a decent <laughs> run. I was like, there's a short dude out here, like... This guy. Who and won the game? I, 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 if I recall, I think his team won because I was I couldn't guard. I was like, I can't fucking yeah, hand check Flea. I'm just like, I'm gonna let Flea do his thing. Yeah. And I was just so it was it was just like that was the moment where I was like, oh, I'm in Hollywood now, you know? Like this is I'm not going to a basketball game in New York and you know playing ball with Flea. Playing ball with Flea. <laughs> I don't I don't even know who the like the New York equivalent of Flea is. There you know, is, I'm not is, showing up and like none, the yeah. guy from the Strokes is at the game, yeah. you know, or fucking. I don't know, Lou Reed back in the day. You're fucking <laughs> like, just going, but you show up and fucking, I was like, Flea's running fucking, Flea's the running full court. Yeah, full and, court the, and, the, and I was just like, this is dope. This is, this, I was like, I'm in LA now. And that was my first moment. And it's like, I don't know. That was, I, I, I really felt like that was when I was like, okay, it's different here. Yeah. And uh, so that was my Hollywood tale. I love it. Joe Prano, everybody. Follow you on Instagram at... Joe Prano. J-O-E-P-R-A-I-N-O. Um, my name is Ahmed Ahmed. This is another episode of Hollywood Tales from Jam in the Van right here in West L.A., 3384 Motor Avenue. Come check this place out, man. Just go to jaminthevan.com. Our, our podcast, Hollywood Tales, is up on all the platforms, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, this place has an indoor venue, outdoor venue. It's pretty dope. They just had Tiffany Haddish. Who else was here? Anthony Jezelnik. Yeah. Tom Arnold. Tom Arnold. I mean, there's like the biggest comics come through huge, here. Huge, huge names. Huge names. Huge names. And we do our podcast right out here. So check this place out. It's really cool. Jaminthevan.com. Go to my Instagram, Ahmed Ahmed Comedy, A-H-M-E-D, A-H-M-E-D Comedy for uh, shows and updates. And it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks for making time. Thank you for having me, dude. Come, Appreciate come it. Come back again. We'll do it Thank again. Thank you. Wolf Ramirez, Jake Cutler, Jake Trainer, Dave Bell, Jack Higgins, our creative director, and the whole staff here at Jam in the Van. You guys rock. We're out. Thanks. Thanks.